This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Best and brightest, it, it being a Friday, and not just a Friday, a summer Friday which in the cosmos is kind of like if you're a school kid, it's, it's Friday and the bell just rang. Right now, the longest period of time between you and the classroom again exists right now. So it's Friday. And I'm just thinking, in order to best serve you, which is the happiest story to begin with? Which is the happiest story? The Olympic fiasco or the Trump fiasco? I've got about another six seconds to decide. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest, Friday edition. I am Jay Severin. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 We happen to have a line open, and were you to call, you would have the ear of a national audience, and, or I should say at, no extra charge. Guaranteed, or your next delivery is free, one 888 Oh, well, not free, but $10 off your next delivery. one 888 A really boring but not unimportant housekeeping note to begin. I, the biggest twit of all, remain twitless. I, I, I hope to remedy that during the weekend. And it's just been an... It you know, it sucks. In in technical terms, uh, it it it, uh, it it sucks. It is sucking. It has sucked, is how I would conjugate it. But I hope to remedy that. Okay, all right. Uh, and and I really no, I really I don't want to dwell on it. But it really is uh, awful. I don't I don't know how in the end meaningful it truly is but i really do feel the the absence of a sense i get that i'm able to communicate with you and those of us who co-respond uh i don't think you write for no reason and i read all of your stuff and i hope you read mine and i really do feel the absence of that and as I say, it sucks, it's sucking, it has sucked, it has been sucking, 
I mean, am I leaving out the plu perfect? Let me see. In any case, I, I hope to remedy that. Okay. I am choosing to start with the Olympic update just to put off the more dismal science of the Trump campaign. Olympic update. What could possibly be next is my headline. But let me not obscure what ought to be the headline everywhere. Ryan Lotke, Olympic athlete, second most famous and accomplished, I believe, American Olympic swimmer in record. Ryan Lotke uh, is, well, all right, sorry, has behaved like a human pig. And this is coming from me. I mean, my, my memory is still keen. I remember being a single man. And so the, the universe, the sphere of things that will qualify you for my uh, disapprobation is very narrow. I, I acted like a pig for many years. And I have no apologies for it still. I'm not sure it was at all swinish, but I know that I hold the minority opinion on this. You should see, the, you should see some of the emails and uh, uh, tweets. And, uh, well, it's been a, a little while, but national media coverage I got for saying I dated women in my office. I dated women at work. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, you, I Really, you would think you would have to go back to my father's generation and, and admission that I, I, I kidnapped and dismembered people. You know, like I dismembered mama and kept them in the basement. John Wayne Gacy had a better reputation than I did based on derivative of the admission that I dated people at work when I was a single man. Oh, my good God almighty. So, again, you have to do a lot for me to be judgmental. I've always felt that way, and uh, it's one of the reasons I'm a uh, libertarian, because truly I'm a libertine, and I need the defense. So I, I need to defend personal freedoms because it's the right thing to do. And also, I always figured at some point I'd need a reciprocal uh, deal out of this. I'd need people to defend me when the time came. Olympic update. Ryan Lotke has behaved like a pig. Not like a pig the way... I think I've been accused of because I don't think I ever did anything well a wrong and b selfish there are many things that you could say about me and you know me next best to the people who have known me all my life 
Really, there are people I've known all my life who don't know me nearly as well as you do. And that's true of everyone on radio because we don't read off a teleprompter. We sit down and open a vein every day for two, three, four hours, whatever it is. You know the real us because you can't hide it on radio. There is no script. So what you think you know of me, you know. And I'm not saying it's a fascinating subject. I'm just saying to the degree it in any form may be of interest to anyone, if you think you know me, you do. You do. Ryan Lotke has behaved, and, and again, I, I, I'm making a presumption here. Everyone knows who, by now who Ryan Lotke is. He's the uh, swimmer, the Olympic swimmer, the one who is the most famous of the ones arrested in that uh, group of four, that gang of four the other night, who has cast a shadow who has walked right into a bear trap. This is the, this is a black hole. You know, you know, black hole is the edges of a gravitational field deriving from the implosion of a star, as I understand it, which the gravitational sucking of which is so profound that it, that light cannot escape it. A black hole is a hole of gravitational suck so strong that light cannot escape it. That's why it's a black hole. It pulls light. The gravitational pull of this procedure is such, of this phenomenon is such, that it won't let light, light escape. Okay. Ryan Lotke has created a black hole. For these Olympics. It's a perfect mainstream media black hole. He has walked right into it. And I'm not saying he walked into it intentionally. What I'm saying is really old fashioned. And I stand by it 1000%. And I wonder if you do. Now I have to take a break. But when I come back, I intend to make the case to you that Ryan Lotke has acted like a selfish, stupid pig, and created a black hole which has reflected awfully, terribly on his country, his teammates, and on his fellow Americans. And he ought to be fully, fully blamed for it. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Epictetus say, decide who you would be, then do what you must do. His 
most uh, prominent motto and one I have adopted. Not one that I have necessarily successfully adopted, but one to which I aspire every day because it is a battle of every day, is it not? It's an aspirational battle of every day to be worthy. To be worthy of what? To be worthy of your own values. Maybe that means to be worthy of your God, maybe to be worthy of your family, maybe to be worthy of your own sense of yourself. I I don't know. I, I don't, no one knows. No one but you knows. Decide who you would be, then do what you must do. From that derives a perhaps somewhat less lofty maxim, and that is, call me or don't. Tell us, tell America your opinion. Tell your fellow citizens, tell your best and brightest what you think about this. Ask a question about Ryan Lotke or anything else. Pile on Ryan Lotke. Defend Ryan Lotke. Or don't. Or shut up. Or remain silent. one 3393 This guy needs attacking, and thus, by our system, he needs defending. one 3393 As usual, I'll take either side. But I want you to know up front the side with which I feel most naturally comfortable is prosecuting. And in this case, quick, who's Ryan Lotke? Seriously, now, no, play with me here. Who is Ryan Lotke? Who? Seriously, who is Ryan Lotke? Eh, not anymore. Whatever answer you gave is wrong, unless you gave the answer Ryan Lotke is the Olympian who will, for when he dies, and this is a measure for anybody, what will be in the first sentence of the first paragraph of their obituary if they rate an obituary, say, in the New York Times? Ryan Lotke's obituary someday went from the sterling prose it would have been a week ago to a guarantee that it reads something like this. Ryan Lotke, the record-holding Olympic swimmer who captured 18 or or whatever the number is. We're broadcasting live from a foundry today, so if you hear any background noises, I'm live on the scene at uh, an auto plant that's being refurbished. Uh, Ryan Lotke, uh, his obituary now now will read, Ryan Lotke, uh, Olympic record holder, uh, once revered by millions of fans, whose record was tarnished by out-of-pool activities and uh, yada, yada, yada. That's now going to be in the first sentence. That's now going to be in the first independent clause in the first sentence of his, his obituary. Why? Because he acted like a pig, I tell you. Like a P-I-G pig. Ryan Lotke has done something 
virtually unprecedented in Olympic history. Only it ain't the record books. And it ain't good. It is infamous. He was famous, and now he's infamous. Now, I I know I said my opinion was derivative of old-fashioned values. Well, there's piece of evidence number one that I'm being old-fashioned. I'm recognizing a distinction and a profound one between being famous and infamous. Ryan Lotke was famous four days ago. Now he's infamous forever. Though ironically, ironically, the actual offenses that he committed are really quite meek. This goes to substantiate the kinds of things that folks in the business like mine or former business of mine try to drum through to their clients every day, even if they don't need it, just 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 to tell them so that they it's second nature to them, which is the cover-up is always, virtually always, is worse than the offense. The cover-up will virtually always get you in more trouble uh, reputationally, legally, every other conceivable way. The cover-up will get you in more trouble than the offense. And after all, if Ryan Lotke did everything of which he's accused until the moment he came back to the Olympic Village, what did he really do? He went out, he got pissed, he committed vandalism, he maybe peed in public. Okay, those are the things he actually did. But as of the moment of his arrival back to the Olympic Village... That's when the cover-up started. That's when the lies started. I was, I was gunned to my head by policemen. Policemen threatened to kill me and took my wallet and my watch and all this other stuff. I mean, does, I guess he doesn't know this. That's okay. You know what? That's the entire key to my argument. The key, ladies and gentlemen, of the best and brightest jury is not that he should have known better. He, he oughtn't have known better. He's a member of a generation that doesn't know better. He's never had training in this sort of stuff because he spends 20 hours a day in a swimming pool being one of the best swimmers in the history of human beings. So when, if ever, people like this behave abominably and selfishly and stupidly, they don't know better. They don't know what to do. And so they do the kinds of things that Ryan Lotke has done. His actions have overshadowed, again, his actions, while fairly meek in terms of what he could actually be charged with prior to his return to the Olympic Village. Okay? Are are pretty meek. A lot of kids go out and do way worse every weekend than that. But it's what he did after returning to the Olympic Village that counts now. And now his actions are overshadowing, for the third straight day, Ryan Lotke's selfish, stupid offenses are overshadowing the Olympic Games, his country, his teammates, and his fellow Americans. 
And I have a couple of points to make about this. And yeah, they're old-fashioned. One of them is, he shouldn't have been out. I know I'm an old fart. Yes, I know I'm old-fashioned. Yes, I know he had finished his events and he des- and, and he was deserving of going out and blowing off steam. Uh, maybe that's your defense. I'm not making a defense here. I, I, I'm prosecuting. The fact is, 20 years ago, no American Olympian athlete would have been out at 6 in the morning. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. on the Blaze Radio Network. With partners, we are privileged to have a partner on the phone. We're about to go to, in this case, Kim. I just want to finish my prepared remarks by saying, Ryan Lotke's actions are swinish. They have overshadowed the Olympic Games. His teammates, his teammates, his countrymen, And pursuant to our discussion weeks before these Olympics, yes, we can't exactly be shocked, can we? Remember when we discussed a month ago whether these would or could ever be like the Olympics as we have known them? How do you take a generation? You know what this is? Guru Jay say, you cannot have a civilized event in an uncivilized place. You know who said that originally? Me. Okay, you know what else we talked about? How do you take a generation of twerkers and expect not to have a few, heck, a few, maybe most, people who are brilliant athletes in the pool, but absolute a-holes out of the pool? No athlete honored to represent our country in any sport, in any Olympics, has ever behaved this way, this selfishly, this stupidly, before. He shouldn't have... What Was I young once? Yes. Yada, 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 yada. Look, I'm prosecuting. And what I have to say to you is, he shouldn't have been at a gas station at 6 o'clock in the morning pissed. They have curfews for a reason. One of the reasons they have curfews... In every major sport, and for the Olympics, is they know that young people may do intemperate things at 6 o'clock in the morning, if they're still out at 6 o'clock in the morning. Thus, have we curfews. Can it ever again be the Olympics as we remember them, want them, expect them, as athletes, as the athletes deserve them to be? How infuriating, and in the end, just plain sad. All he had to do was obey the rules. If he obeyed the rules, he wouldn't have to worry about obeying the rules. If he had kept curfew, if he had just kept it buttoned up another 20 hours, he could come home to America and do anything he wanted to do. 
Drew is calling from the great and electorally pivotal state of Florida. <laughs> Welcome, Drew. Yes. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a listener. I'm usually not a caller, but you hit a nail on the head. Thank, Drew, thank you. Can I ask you to speak up a little? We want to hear your opinion, and I and your low volume. There. Okay, is this is this any better? It is. Thank you. Okay, you're right. Lockie should not have been out, and and that's that's really the big problem. He's he's betrayed. Yeah, that's pretty much the bottom record. line, isn't it? I mean. I mean, it, it, it is. He's, he's betrayed. We could talk about a lot of things, but if the coach says, if the coach in the NFL says, you know, in bed, in your racks by midnight, there's a reason for it. And you're, it's not yours to question why. In, in but, bed but, by midnight. Then the, then, then, the player, then the player sues. Right. You know, what's, what's wrong with that story? There's, there should be right. an unwritten rule of honor. Amongst athletes, especially people representing our country. Thank you. They've be- you know what? To each other. The United States. That's right. I'm sorry? That, I mean, he, I said the, 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 the first sense of honor ought to be to each other, that sense of loyalty to your teammates. And then, of course, to your yeah. flag, your countrymen. He was sent there. He's, he's not paying. I'm not asking him to pay. You're not asking him to pay. But he's... The, He's there being treated like a sun prince at on someone else's dollar hours. You know, he's being treated like a like a god. And you know, in return, you you just have to comply with some basic rules of civility. But but in in and and this is not an excuse and it's not to to you know say that what he did was right. He's a product of the environment. Yeah. This is what's going on. We're, we're not holding people accountable. We don't, we don't look at all the family and social values that should be out there. They're not, they're not there. Drew, that makes two of us so far. I mean, because these are what they call old-fashioned values, right? Yes. But, but but that's what they are. That's what, that's what made this country great. And and, and our, our kids the thing that twenty eight year olds don't, don't understand, or whatever he is, thirty one, whatever he is, what they because he might as well be a baby. Okay. Yes. The in the infantilism that we that we have permitted his generation, especially to what enjoy or we've cursed them with i don't know the right way to put it but they're treated like infants and given those uh excuses if not privileges and then when they do something like this they want to argue you know the details and we don't want to argue the details the the head coach of the green bay packers doesn't want to argue the details he just says look you're being you're being paid most of you six million dollars a year to to play football you're very lucky and you know these rules have evolved over time because we know that if you come home pissed at six o'clock in the morning then you're not going to perform well on the practice field you're going to let you're going to let your teammates down 
That's what this but is we about. Still, we should still give them a participation ribbon. <laughs> That's right. Everybody there, wins. There's, there's, there's something wrong with that. That's where it comes I mean, I, from. I wanted, I wanted to go to the Olympics. So should I not get a participation ribbon? Uh, you should just get a wish ribbon. Drew, I appreciate your your calling, even uh, especially because you say, and I do thank you especially for the call, especially because you say you don't naturally um, call in, and this moved you to it. It helps me because, um, you know, I don't I don't know, I haven't known during these last two weeks if you guys. Uh, you know, want to listen to any of this stuff about the Olympics. And again, I've probably spoken, we've discussed a grand total of 10 to 20 seconds about actual sport. We're talking about the sociological, we're talking about the social phenomena that derive from the greatest show on earth, which used to be the Olympics. I'm not sure now. I want to thank Drew from Florida for uh, a fine call. So look look at what he did, and I think this is a slam-dunk prosecution. And I'm, I'm not being a wise guy. And again, thank you, Drew. Uh, I, I'm not being technical here. Uh, I'm using the word prosecution, but I mean judgment. I mean, I know this sounds like your grandfather, and you may not like the sound of it, but I'll say it again. He shouldn't have been out. It's not his decision. When, when you're a member, when you are granted the grand privilege of being a member of the United States Olympic team, and you perform the way he performs, there's a responsibility that comes with that. Now, you know what? He probably doesn't comprehend that. I don't think Ryan, I, I watched Ryan Lotke in a grand total of one interview ever. It was about a week ago. And I thought that he was a dim bulb. And he didn't strike me as a particularly good fellow. But I had no reason to argue otherwise. So I said, you know, okay, they all, they all can't be princes. So... It's none of my business. We'll let it go. He's great at what he does. But w- when you are that great at what you do and what therefore accrues is your status, is that you are treated like a like a god of some, a demigod of some kind, people count on you. Your teammates count on you. The focus of the international media is on you. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury... My final prepared uh, word on this is, again, for the prosecution, I say to you, if Ryan Lotke does not understand any of these things, I understand that. He's not necessarily expected to appreciate that people are counting on him, that the international media focus is on him that he could F everything up by stupid, selfish behavior. He's not, I'm not expecting him to appreciate or understand any of that. What I'm understanding, I'm sorry, what I'm expecting him to do 
is play by the rules. He signed a contract, in effect, and he said, I'll comply with the rules along with my teammates because smarter people who know more about this than I have figured out that if, for instance, among the other rules, if we have a curfew, it's done for my own protection. It's a prophylactic for my own protection so that I can't get in trouble. Because if I'm in the Olympic Village with my mates, drinking, playing cards, smoking pot, the night after my final event, at least I can't get in trouble and embarrass everybody. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, partners, that said, and having made an honest, candid, sincere, uh, and I think obligatory prosecution of Ryan Lotke, the pig, uh, and I say that because of who he let down, and I just can't stress enough, Ryan, shut up. Just do what you do. Do that voodoo you do so well and shut up. We'll, we'll protect you. Just do these simple rules and we'll make sure you cannot get in trouble. You know that $100 million in personal uh, uh, endorsements that you were once, once going to get and now you're not going to get? We were trying to protect you. We are your agent. We act an agency for you. We create rules to protect you. If you're back in the Olympics, the, the athlete's village at 1 a.m., you can't get in trouble. Just shut up and follow these simple rules and be rich and famous forever. You dope. Uh, that said, what is now creeping out to change records very quickly, we used to actually have records. <laughs> uh this is now creeping out. The Brazilians, and I do mean creep, the Brazilians, the fans, openly hate everyone, not Brazilian. And they particularly hate, make that despise uh, American athletes. And they have booed and jeered uh, Americans, if not exclusively particularly Americans, at every opportunity. There is a lot of bad blood here. Uh, And in terms of Olympic spirit, yes, in terms of Olympic spirit, and I've I've been using that as a uh, sword as well as a shield. So let me say, in the spirit of Olympic spirit, on behalf of all Americans who tend to cheer for their team but treat everyone with basic fairness is that i think that's i think that's accurate to say american fans cheer for their side or whatever side they're for but treat everyone with basic dignity 
uh, at especially at the Olympics. I mean, this is not like a Philadelphia Eagles home game where the fans are at any moment in danger of spilling out of the fans and beating to death the members of the other team. Uh, nothing personal, uh, Eagles fans, but you, I think you know whereof I speak. But in the Olympic spirit, may I offer on behalf of my fellow Americans who agree with me this message to Brazilians, I'm sorry, Brazilians, that's not fair, is it? Because that's I'm mocking Castilian Spanish, and they speak uh, Portuguese, don't they? So I'll stop with the Brazilians. But uh, my message to uh, Brazilians in general, and the people of Rio in particular, is well, I have two of them. One message is, I have three of them. One is, would you stop assaulting and robbing American tourists, please? Like American women and children, you're punching in the face at stealing their wallets and cell phones and shopping bags. Ryan Lockie didn't get gunned down, but our tourists are. Uh, but quickly, number three, jumping to number three, F you. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Listen, uh, exactly as many Americans factually, correctly understand Bush and Hurricane Katrina, as do exactly as many people understand Bush's role in Hurricane Katrina versus the media narrative, as do understand the Supreme Court decision in Gore versus Bush, where Bush was selected, not elected. That is not the topic of our hour. It just is incredible to me as I listen to these people talk about the floods in Louisiana and say, remember what happened to Bush when he, essentially what they're saying is, when when George Bush created the hurricane, Back then, very toss. and brightest, a good Friday edition to you. We've already done the happy news of the Olympics, and that pig, uh, at least uh, swinish behavior fellow, uh, Ryan Lotke, and now we're going to do the good news Trump campaign. And the reason I mentioned, and I know it's a, a risk, the reason I opened with the reference to Bush, Hurricane Katrina, and the Supreme Court decision, Gore versus Bush, is just that it's always been, uh, you know, as I slide down the banister of life, the Gore versus Bush case will always be, I'll remember, as a splinter in my ass. 
and you and you ought to do the same. That's because everyone got it wrong except the Supreme Court. No one understands what it was. And the most important, one of the most important civics lessons of our lifetimes is understanding what, just the basics of what happened in the Supreme Court decision. Like, who brought it to the court? Who filed the lawsuit? How was it the Supreme Court was involved? Who first went to a court and said, stop counting the ballots of veterans. Stop counting the ballots of veterans. Who knows this? I know it. And a lot of you know it, but not enough of us know it. So that's, I'm not going to speak any more of it unless someday invited to do so or someone has a contrary view of the facts of what happened. Now, I mention that because Donald Trump is in Louisiana today on a planned mission of mercy slash photo op because he's running for president. And so he made the trip there. But as you may know, that's not the headline. Again, again, Donald Trump has stepped on his own. This is a family show, so I'm not going to recreate the cut quote uh, that I, uh, was it the Village Voice or the Daily News in New York? I don't know. But I said, uh, Rudy is a great guy. I'm voting for him, and uh, he's he's going to make a great president if he's elected, but he has to stop stepping on his own story. And what Trump has done again today, we all have this romantic notion of what it means to be an amateur politician as opposed to a professional And none of us have stopped, well, I'm sorry, few of us have stopped to consider the flip side of that. And that is the awful mistakes that amateurs make. Now, as for Trump, the best and brightest have nailed it again. What's the big story of the day? I was listening to the BBC all night. And did I hear once that Donald Trump was on his way to flood-ravaged Louisiana? Not once. I watched the media through uh, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Time. And not until roughly noon did American media even mention that Donald Trump was in storm-ravaged Louisiana. Because the number one story, not just the number one story in politics, but when when I'm listening at 2 or 3 a.m. Eastern Time to the BBC, and they're speaking to the world, as you know. This is like the world's radio station, the BBC. Their lead story starting at about 3 a.m. was... American 
presidential candidate Donald Trump fires campaign manager under cloud of scandal that he took millions from the Russians. Oh, ouch, oi, what? And I had to wait, I had to wait and wake up and wait for American media to come on the air to tell me more. But does this sound, does this sound at all familiar? Quote, the moment Trump brought on board his new campaign CEO, Paul Banyan, and came and campaign manager Kellyanne Conway. At the time, I called her Kellyanne Fitzpatrick because I knew her when she was single. So I didn't, I couldn't recall her married name. Kellyanne Conway, he had a date with the political hangman, did Paul Manafort, end quote. Anyone remember that? <clears throat> Guru J. Holy Cowchip. <clears throat> Pardon me. Say it here on what, Monday? The day it happened, we discussed this. They could say what they want at the Trump campaign, but bringing on Ban- Bannon and Kellyanne means that there is a date for Paul Manafort with the political hangman. We said it here. We said it instantly. And today it happened. But why? Why? Allow it to happen and announce it on the same day as your first presidential type visit to, in this case, an American disaster zone. In this case, flood ravaged tragedy in Louisiana. You had it. Trump had it within his power, whether or not, pardon me, to fire Paul Manafort, and asked to risk. Big fat Hillary asked to risk. He had it within his power, did Donald Trump, to fire Manafort, but he most certainly had it within his power whether or not to fire him today. Because allowing it to happen, announcing it, doing it and announcing it, why not? Does any schoolboy or girl interested in politics, I know I've got a high school freshman who knows this and said it to me this morning. If you're going to fire, if you're going to have some problem in the campaign, why not announce it Friday afternoon in the Death Valley of news? Why not try to bury it? Why do it on the day that you make this great big staged visit to, to Louisiana. How do you let that happen? And the answer is, for all the romantic notions we have of political amateurs, look before you. Behold what you get when you have a political amateur. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network.
partners Romano from Nevada welcome back hello Jay how are you doing today I am well sir thank you you spoke of uh, I mean this whole Ryan Lochte thing to me is much to do about nothing I and you know you prosecuted your case on him if I'm defending him I'm just gonna say no contest but you know and whatever you whatever fine you want me to pay whatever you want me to do but uh, uh, I'm not sure we is, disagree on the substance of it. I I was yeah. uh, I felt validated a moment ago on uh, on Fox. They started the show by saying the irony of this is that legally he didn't really do much, did he? And as because we talked yeah. about that at the top of this show today, legally he really yeah. didn't do that much wrong. It just is given the circumstances, how it became magnified, and how he magnified it and worsened it. Yeah. Well, the uh, the reason for my call today was to talk about this incident and the context in which it occurred. And the context okay. in which Okay. Could it you occurred. speak up a little, please? Yes, I, yes, I can. <laughs> Great. Uh, can you hear, Thank you. Can you hear me now? Yes. I can hear you uh, now. Yeah, the context in which it occurred is a city where people are living in cardboard boxes on the hillside where there's body parts and bodies and fecal yep. matter and God only knows what yep. floating uh, right off their coast where the police vehicle or an army vehicle, you described it, uh, went up and made a wrong turn and was assaulted by thugs with AK-47s. Okay, that's yep. the context. What are the Brazilian so it's not enough that you're sleeping in a, <laughs> that you're reduced to living in a cardboard box. You also have to worry about having your throat cut for your cardboard box, your only possession. Yeah. So what what is upsetting to these people? It's upsetting that that whatever it is that they think that Ryan Lochte did, that is what upsets them. Not the fact that their fellow uh, Rio de Janeirans are living in the boxes on the hillside, wait, hoping that they're going to not get their throat cut for their cardboard box. You know, the thugs have AK-47s, and what did you say the water was? Two million, two million times, two million times uh, more polluted? I, I believe 1.7, 1.7 million times uh, the danger yeah. limit as set by the CDC. So I think what we see is that people are easily led. I mean, those uh, what I put forth, those are the problems that people need to be concerned about. Uh, the media gets involved in these things, and they, it's like they have a microscope or, you know, they're looking through the wrong end of the telescope. And, and they, they focus like a laser beam, like Loretta Lynch on transsexual bathroom usage, right? <laughs> Anything else? Well said. Inside, uh, well said. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was my I mean, point. the problem is, again, I think what you're saying is uh, something with which I agree and that and said, which is he legally... In fact, they had, as they do, they have, it's August, so they'll have any dope on TV. But now they really will have any dope on TV because it's August and anybody goods away. <laughs> so they have this right. dope on Fox. And Stuart Varney, who's subbing for Neil Cavuto, said legally he really didn't do that much, did he? And, the, and she said, well, he falsely reported commission of a felony which itself is a crime is a felony and of course well, and this is an attorney a, who know, said this. he didn't he yeah. didn't saying on the today yeah. show that i was robbed at gunpoint is not 
legally saying anything. You have to go. He didn't go fill out a report. He didn't. He didn't make a false statement to a law enforcement official. He made a false no. statement to Matt Lauer. And yeah. last I heard, Matt Lauer does not enjoy federal status. Yeah, Matt, Matt Lauer. He's just above Brian Williams on the uh, chain of uh, on the ladder of believability. The company. Well, that he you forced for. me. You, you, you forced me in Louisiana. Go ahead. Yes, one second though. Uh, I must say this. Uh, Brian Williams has been a personal friend of mine for 30 years and a smarter, nicer guy I have never met in my life. And I defend him because uh, I must and I mean, because I'm perfectly willing to because he's a thoroughly decent, smart, wonderful fellow. So yeah, there you go. I, so, uh, I have no personal animus toward him, just that he, uh, you know. Uh, as far, uh, just him and Matt Lauer and the MSM. I don't even have a TV because I don't. There's nothing on there that interests me. Why do I want to? <laughs> I understand. That I understand. Yeah, I'm a radio guy. I'm like hooked up to the radio. Trump I like that. I like Bush. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know the thing with Bush in Louisiana and Katrina. The problem in Katrina was was the city wasn't managed properly. They knew that the levees were a uh, faulty. And that's, that's why right. all that water went into uh, the town was because the levee broke. And now that's right. uh, I saw a thing, uh, you know, Twitter. Let, let's like, add, let's media. add, for people who don't Any know, media. let's add, for people who don't know, Romano, that the New Orleans had at the time a Democrat mayor, a Democrat governor, who were warned by Bush several days earlier and Bush offered to arrange for federal help for uh, evacuation, but the mayor and the governor both said no for political reasons. They didn't want it to look like Bush was, you know, usurping them. Also, they knew that the, uh, the people who were forced to evacuate would be angry, and it was an election year, so they said no, and Ray... Whoever it was, the mayor at the time, would yeah. not allow the – he didn't sign the order for 25,000 school buses that were standing ready to evacuate people. He said no. And then when the storm – when there were already five feet of water uh, in the Ninth Ward, then they called the White House and said, oh, uh, we'd like to rethink this. Yeah. Uh, who Wasn't there a congressman from down there that they had to take a big uh... – piece of construction equipment and take him out, out, out to his place so you get the uh, the money that he had wrapped up in his freezer to get it out <laughs> 90 i, mean, I can't remember thing. his name but it was ninety thousand dollars in cash in his freezer yeah. yes and he, and he, he wasn't he, a republican he, either he was another one of the democratic uh, <laughs> oh well yeah you, you're not you're you're yeah. not a you're not a congressman you're not an african-american congressman from louisiana and a republican Okay, so uh, whatever they said about Bush and Katrina, I, I, I saw a thing on Twitter, you know, any social media, where they said, uh, where, is, where is Black Lives Matter? All these black people in Louisiana are having a problem. And I said, I know where Obama Mohammed is. He's uh, enjoying his white privilege, playing golf, eating lobster and prime <laughs> rib and blueberry pie. That's right. You know, where's the, where's the media outcry on the, where he is? He's on their Actually, team. you remind me of something. 
BBC was covering last night that I meant to make a note of, but was too lazy to actually pick up my cell phone in the middle of the night and, you know, make notes on it, which was I know the, feeling. the first round of, uh, of whack jobs are already asserting that what Ryan Lotke is most guilty of is white privilege. Of course. Where do I sign up for my white privilege? That's what I like to know. Where do I sign up? How do I get it? How do I access Where's my mine? white privilege? I want mine. Yeah. So anyway, Romano, I, I thank it. you for the call. The satellite tells no me it's that time, uh, which means uh, bottom of the hour and we must break. But thank, thank you. Uh, always uh, a contribution of value from uh, Romano in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, Again, almost no one understands what actually happened in Hurricane uh, Romano does. Very few people, even among the best and brightest, uh, frankly, understand what happened in Hurricane Katrina and Bush's role uh, or non-role, as it may be, in that. Uh, nor, nor do probably 2% of Americans, not 1% of Americans, could explain to you what happened. Just the basics, just the fundamentals of what happened in the Gore v. Bush uh, Supreme Court case uh, by which Bush became president. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest number here, 1-888-900-3393. I hope you find this of interest, and I know it is to a degree reiterative, but it was within Donald Trump's control. It doesn't matter if it's Trump or anybody. It, this could be a case study. This is what, like, the Harvard Business School does. You know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's case, case methodology. It doesn't matter. The names don't matter. Candidate A has it within his or her power to fire or not a key aide, having already done so within the last few weeks. And it's the same day of your first major presidential-type visit to a disaster, American disaster zone, and you fire him that night, the night before, guaranteeing that the story everywhere is that Trump fires campaign manager? How do you let that happen? And the answer is, again, this charming notion we have that Candidates ought to be amateurs. Candidates ought to be different than the usual slobs that run. I agree. But making an amateur, uh, I'm sorry, being an amateur does not make you a successful candidate. If you cannot be a successful candidate, it doesn't matter who and what you are because you ain't going to win. Now, I have a question. Spending a life in an industry... I think we can agree. Doesn't make you right or wrong, but if you spend a lifetime in an industry, that means raising children, 
It means if you're in agriculture, business, catering, divinity, you're an equestrian, I could go down the alphabet. In short, if you've spent a reasonably long and successful career in any line of work, we can assume that you're acquainted with the fundamentals of that business. And you know what makes that business tick. Now, this stuff is politics 101. Anyone who has run for dog catcher in Xenia, Ohio, knows that you do not, the, the hours before you land in Louisiana to do your first press tour of an American disaster zone to look as presidential as possible, you don't, duh, fire your campaign manager for the second time in a few weeks, six hours before you land in Louisiana, assuring that you not only step on, but you annihilate your own message, your own story. All right, all of that aside, if the Trump mercy mission slash photo op manages to cut through the breathless coverage of his latest staff shakeup, does it matter? It's a rhetorical question, and I think we all kind of know the answer. The answer is, in the absence, even in the absence of the Paul Manafort fiasco, this trip, this event, would have looked pretty good. It's just a terrible shame, unless you're a Clinton fan, that the story, the visit to Louisiana, has been polluted, marginalized, negated by the Paul Manafort story. And this is assuming the Manafort story ends today. And it won't. This is what the media is going to be talking about at least until Monday. Now, suppose there's an investigation or worse. Question, would it have been wiser? Would it have been wiser tactically for Trump to merely keep Paul Manafort on the payroll and say nothing and avoid the story entirely? I think the, you know, what do I know? But I think the answer is yes. If the candidate were my best friend, I'd say, keep him on the payroll. He says nothing. You say nothing. Nobody's going to know in what capacity he's functioning. Nobody will know. You keep him on the plane, keep him in the entourage, don't say anything to anybody. But does Donald Trump not appreciate this? Come on. I Come on. I know he's a political amateur, but he doesn't know this? He doesn't know this? Because if he doesn't know this, then he's smarter than we think. And that is, there is more to the Manafort story. And that means maybe an investigation, maybe a scandal. Maybe Donald Trump had, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for Donald Trump because I don't want Clinton to be president. I'm hoping for Donald Trump that he appreciates he oughtn't have ruined his Louisiana story today by 
firing Paul Manafort last night. So I'm assuming he's smart enough that he must know something I don't. And that would mean there's more to the Manafort story than we know, which means maybe Paul Manafort did take $12 million from the Russians. Maybe he didn't report it. These are all huge maybes, and I and and I, I hope Mr. Manafort will forgive me. I'm not, I don't mean to uh, criticize him with stuff I don't know, and I don't know. But we have to assume that either Donald Trump is a political moron, or he knows that there is going to be more to the Paul Manafort story, that the Russians did give him $12 million, and there are some unanswered questions shall we say about that okay that's a question one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three you think you have an answer one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three the trump advertising hits today in five swing states i can't wait to see them i can't wait to see them I assume they're available on his website or someone's, and I can't wait to see them, mostly because that was the most tangible product of my existing as a human being for about 25 years, was that people ask me what I did, and it's very hard to explain advising a candidate or doing analysis or construction of polls and all of that stuff. But it's much easier to pop in a, a DVD and say, okay, what you're about to see, I conceived, wrote, produced, and directed this. Here it is. It's, it's, the, it's the only manifest thing I have. It's the only tangential, uh, I'm sorry, it's the only tangible, sorry, the only tangible thing I have to show to my family and say, this is what I did all those years. So I can't wait to see the Trump advertising just as a big fan of this stuff. And I can't wait to be, you know, play critic to it until you play it for you. Uh, Obviously, the uh, certain unique limitations of the medium are such that I will only be able to play audio for you. But audio tells most of the story. It ought not in the best television. It is, after all television so in the best television spots the picture tells the story to a great uh, degree but i'll at least be able to play the audio for you and tell you what i think of the ads the real question is is this enough to make a difference i mean trump trump has spent zero dollars on advertising Hillary Clinton has already spent more, way more than $100 million on advertising, paid advertising. Trump has spent zero. So probably three months later, maybe six months later than it ought to have appeared, Trump advertising starts appearing today, but only in five swing states. I believe there are Florida, North Carolina, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Who am I forgetting? Maybe Wisconsin. I don't know. 
And the question is, is it enough to make a difference? Will it be enough to halt the slide? Now, I, I, in talking about TV ads, there's one in particular I'd like to tell you about. It made a great impression on me. I've now seen it three times. And you're not seeing this unless you live in uh, Boston or north of Boston up to the Canadian border. And that has to do with its being what we call a spot buy. It's, it's not running nationally because it's for a U.S. Senate race. So it's running only in the market or markets where the people who might vote uh, are watching it, which is one of the great curses, by the way, of living in, say, New Hampshire and running for office, is that you have to buy Boston television to speak to a third of your voters, more, really. About 40% of your voters, if you live in New Hampshire, live in that, if you draw concentric circles like a bullseye around Boston, the media market, that is to say, you're watching Boston news, you're watching stuff broadcast out of Boston TV stations uh, up to a certain point in New Hampshire. And, and that point includes about 40% of all New Hampshire voters. So this spot is on, and it's an attack ad against Republican incumbent Kelly Ayotte. It is, in effect, the nastiest TV spot, and by nasty, I mean offensive, uh, that perhaps I've ever seen. And I've written and produced some of the nastiest TV spots in major campaigns ever made. Uh, but this is absolutely racist. It's absolutely sexist. It's absolutely outside the permissible grounds of uh, anything fair or reasonable. And the spot, I'll just give you the punchline. It All of it is, the country is ruined. We're racists. We're sexists. We're doing everything wrong. And the enemy is white men. The Jay Severin Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners, and welcome Chuck, 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 Chucker from Michigan. How are you doing, Jay? Well, thank you. Uh, Thanks hey, for calling. Uh, a real, uh, just a short thought. Yeah, I heard you talking, I was uh, listening, talking about how Trump's an amateur. Um, well, I get that he's an amateur, but didn't he just go out and last himself like three of the top minds in campaigning everywhere in the country. I mean, he's uh, got the uh, top guy yes. from Breitbart, he's got the top guy from Fox. Okay, so that being the case, how do they let this happen? I'm sorry, uh, how do they... That, how do they let Trump have a bigger story in Manafort leaving than his trip down to Louisiana? Or was Manafort the one because... making that decision? Chuck, I, I guess because... They were just 
literally coincidental. I, I, I guess that I guess that the two new people had not been yet sufficiently ensconced, you know, installed that they could make that call. That that I assume that Trump sort of made that call already and then brought the new people on. Now that's one possible answer, right? The other possible answer is they were aware of the decision and they either told Trump, yeah, do it this way, in which case, oh, no, you know, they were bad hires. Or they told him, don't do it this way. And he did it anyway. So I don't know that there's any good answer out of that particular circumstance. Yeah, I guess. I just think the other opportunity maybe is that either one of those two were making the decision. He could have been Manafort kind of taking his time. Oh, well, that was my, you know, that was my original... You'll recall that was my original yeah. instinct: is that he had already had that. Go ahead. Well, I know there was a story this morning. I can't remember where I read it, but uh, apparently there was a close friend of uh, Manafort out talking about what a, a great mistake Trump was going to be for the country, um, and the, the timing on that story breaking, and then all of a sudden, and this was before the announcement of Manafort leaving. It just seemed really less than coincidental, I guess. Ick. You don't happen to remember who it was? Uh, no, I don't, but I'll take a look around and see if I can find the story. Um, and then I'll... I'll well, that's okay. I appreciate you mentioning it. I just didn't... I'm surprised I didn't, you know, it, it, I, with, with all the stuff I look at and hear that I didn't see it. But, I mean, that's, uh, that doesn't, that's not helpful, is it? No, not at all. That's the thing, Chuck. Well, and, and I'm speaking here as... Forget whether I'm going to vote or for whom I'm going to vote or for whom you're going to vote. I'm just looking at this as a doctor. We're all sitting in an operating amphitheater, you know, watching the operation. And, you know, we're saying, oh, oh, don't do that. Don't poke that with the scalpel. He keeps poking it. He keeps poking it. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.